What's up, guys? Hopping in on the episode early to let you guys know that I had a fantastic time in Miami. And it's so funny that when somebody tells you you look tan, you have to be like, thank you. Or maybe it's just something that it's like a norm that people have succumbed to. Guys, next Thursday, we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show, March 16th, 8 p.m., 145 Bowery at the Moxie Hotel, Lower East Side. It's going to be freaking lit as usual. Check the link in this YouTube video and get to that Ted Jones Comedy Show if you guys are in New York City. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. So show your face, say what up. And now hey, here come wait. Here, come <laughs> there she is, Mika Mo. What's hey. up? Close to your face. Oh yeah, testing, testing. What's awesome. up, Mika Mo? Hey, good I to see you. Hands with her a little. All bit. good. Better. You know what? Better. Uh, better clean than not clean. What's up, Ted Jones World, Mika Mo? I just got finished telling these guys listening and watching that we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show next Thursday that you actually yes, will be at. That's I'm excited about that. I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay, so you're from Queens initially, mm -hmm. but we met in Miami. Yeah, it happened. It was well, our Basel. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you were down yeah. there for that with some friends? <laughs> yeah, so my friends are artists. Shout out to Makia. What's her Denby, Henry, wherever she's going by. But anyway, she's an amazing artist, and she did our Basel, so I came down to support her. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is and there, I did some comedy, too. Okay, nice. Always, yeah. always good to get down there. So I just got back. Do you notice I'm tan a little bit, maybe? Ah, uh, perhaps. I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure of your regular whiteness. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's true. I was just saying, like, it's so funny how like white people will compliment other white people, like, "Oh, you look so tan," and then immediately it's like, "Thank you." As opposed <laughs> to like, you look a little damaged from the sun. Yeah, yeah. The sun has destroyed your skin, but it's great. No, you look great. You <laughs> yeah, look it's a compliment for a white person. What were you doing in Miami? Well, my dad actually lives down there. Oh, so I was visiting him for a few days i relaunched my podcast we're done here which is the emotional wellness i saw that i was gonna ask you about comedy that. podcast basically it's just like all these comedians come on and tell me their business which i enjoy uh since what we're doing here, here we go yeah but we talk about like depression and like i don't know like anger and people's divorce it's like you're really airing your dirty laundry and like figuring out how you came out on the other side so uh doing that yeah just a bunch of comedy stuff you find that that's like a therapy session kind of for you and other comics i so I think it's a therapy session for me and other comics, but I also think like the listeners, I get a lot of feedback that they get a lot of out, out of it, like normalizing things like eating disorders, depression, anxiety, suicide. Like, let's talk about it, you know, because it happens. Yeah. And I think it's interesting also because comedy being such like an individual game, mm -hmm. you know, you really kind of have to figure out everything by yourself. And that translates yeah. to other parts of comics lives, too. You know, they true. don't really want to ask for help as much as just being like, all right, let's go and get it. Let's focus on this. Yeah, that's true. So, no, some, that's true. so like growing up, uh, I played a ton of tennis. I actually played tennis in college. And oh, I think nice. it, it was kind of like a transfer when I was 12 years old. It was either going to be baseball or tennis. And I okay. really just didn't like the aspect of baseball where if I was pitching and there was a fly ball to the outfield and the kid in the outfield dropped it. I was like, what? Like, that was a perfect pitch and oh, it should have been an yeah, out. Yeah, you know, when true. I was like, I don't want other kids <laughs> messing up. Like it, it should, it should all be on me. So that's why I, I chose tennis. And while I never went pro in tennis, uh, I think it was a good experience and just learning that everything is kind of reliant on what you do on a day-to-day -day activity. No, that's true. That's so interesting. Yeah. We are very 
very like, yeah, we're about it. Like, I hate when people fuck up my shit. Yeah, you're right. Totally. Do you ever, you play sports in uh, high school? <laughs> no, definitely not. I was a choir geek. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> I sang. Where'd you, where'd you go to high school? Uh, in Astoria. Uh, so I'm from Astoria, Queens. I went to Lawrence City High School. Shout out to them. Yeah, that's why I went to high school. <laughs> so uh, freshman year of high school, I was actually going out to Astoria Park like a few days a week to run on that track. Oh, really? Where are you from? They did it. I, well, I'm from, so I was born in New Jersey, spent okay. six weeks there and then moved to Manhattan and oh, grew up okay. in uh, six, Gramercy Park area. Six weeks. Oh, so yes. Yeah, so. I, I have to mention the Jersey part so people know that like I got a little spunk, you know, I'm a guy, Jersey guy. boy, you know what I mean? But yeah, so grew, grew up in Manhattan and then went to college at UConn, which was like a big change for me because it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, it, was, it was solid. I definitely enjoyed it. Did you, you've spent your whole life in Astoria? Um, yeah, yeah. So I went to, I went, well, it's weird. I went to University of uh, West Virginia for some odd reason my freshman year, but I transferred to University of Buffalo. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I lived abroad a little bit. Like I, I'm like, when I'm not doing comedy, I like, I worked at, like in the nonprofit sector. So like worked in India a little bit, worked in South America, like oh, volunteering, wow. stuff like that. But honestly, yeah, I just came back and I was like, I'm living in the story. There's nowhere to live. I'm not living anywhere else in the country and I'm going to live in New York and I'm going to live in Astoria. So here we go. It's also like us homegrown people from New York and especially getting into comedy. It's like, where else would you go? Like LA, I mean, but it, feel, else yeah, it feels like you have to start all over. Yeah, yeah, Theoretically. Yeah. When you were going on these... Um, uh, trips for foundations and stuff. How did they house you? What did that kind of look like? Um, so I, so in India it was interesting. So I was housed with like families. Um, so yeah, my first, I, uh, I was in New Delhi, like the first month I remember. And so I lived with a family there, but then they housed us together as we traveled throughout the country. But yeah, mostly with Indian families. Yeah. And in South America, we had to find our own housing. So I just like, Hung out with I met these all these girls who were traveling for like random shit like me. Single was, girls or what? Because I'm no, they, single, you can set them up with me. <laughs> they 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 were South single at the time. This was a while. This oh, was God. a while ago. They were all American though. They were oh, there. Oh, so they were mind. there volunteering like I was. Okay. Um, so we were like I don't know, being do gooders together essentially. Nice. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Nice. So I see you're all over the place. You have this. Um. You have this. Uh. You have your excuse me, you have your podcast coming back. Is there anything that comics bring up frequently that's something that maybe other people wouldn't otherwise think that a comic has to go through? You know, like um, emotional-wise? I'm trying to think. Um, so a lot of uh, comics, uh, comics have some sort of problem. So I have like, so I have ADD. Like a lot of comics have that, so I have right. that. Yes. Or if they don't have ADD, they're depressed or they have anxiety or like, yeah, so a lot of people are depressed, have anxiety or have ADD or drug problems. Yeah, so that's what I noticed. And um, we actually just did our episode last week on anger. Uh, I did it with uh, Rufat Agave. He talked about anger. I'm pretty angry usually sometimes. So we talked about how we don't like, like people fucking up our shit. Like that's a very comic thing too. So I don't know. I feel like we're all the same person, but different. Yeah. Growing up, <laughs> growing up and being a choir geek, as you said, yeah. did that make you, did that allow you to have like a lot of friends in high school or what was the dynamic between oh, choir yeah. kids and other kids? So I was, I was super popular. Um, Let's so go, just... <laughs> which is no offense, maybe a little bit unlike other choir, uh, choir geeks. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 Like I was a choir. <laughs> so let me just rephrase from the geek part. So yeah, I was yeah. in the choir. I consider myself a choir, choir geek. queen. Let's I was say. a 
it. Acquire, there we go. <laughs> Acquire queen. But like, uh, yeah, I was like cool. So I wasn't like, I never got like starring like uh, solos or anything like that. Cause that's actually kind of cool, but also kind of bad, you know, mostly a pothead. Oh, shit. Um, oh, in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent right. a lot of time smoking weed outside of school. But with, I, I like always passed my tests and stuff. So teachers couldn't really say anything, but I was definitely, they hated me, but I was pretty popular amongst my peers. What kind of stuff did you get in trouble with in high school? Um, just mostly like talking shit to people. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty much the same way I am now, but it doesn't work for a child, you know? So you can't call people out. You can't put people in their place. You can't just run around and do whatever you want to do. You got to like obey the rules. I'm not a rule follower. I think that's were, like, doesn't work for me. Were you pretty independent as a child growing up in Astoria though? Yeah, I was pretty independent. You have to be. <laughs> yeah, I was a pretty independent child, uh, which my mom, of course, to this day hates, um, but like super independent, always, only child too. Oh, I was going to so, ask you about brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm an only child, so I kind of do whatever I want and yeah, continue on that path. Parents are pretty supportive of your comedy? Um, I feel like, yeah, they're pretty supportive. I don't know if they care about it that much. My dad's like, um, where's your real job? Uh, like, what, what does he do? This is a real job, <laughs> Daddy. So that's a yeah, that's like classic parents. What does he do though? Oh, so my dad, um, he like own he used to own a limousine company or whatever. Oh. He, he he's retired now. Um, but yeah, he's like a landlord in New Jersey. Retired. He's seventy years old. That's so the dream. There. He just kind of hangs. Out. I don't know. I went to visit him this weekend. It seems like he just sits on his couch. I don't know. That's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's retired. What else does he have yeah, to do? Yeah, like he's not really doing anything. What else. is he watching? Like any good shows or what um so i'm liberian so he watches a lot of like so this thing called nollywood is like nigerian bollywood or hollywood whatever so he watches like african tv all day oh what got me into like volunteering and stuff yeah that's a good question i was a poli sci major in college love that um and i and think where'd you go to college oh, west you, virginia and university of buffalo yes so i did that so it was all it all happened at the university i thought i was gonna go into law you know i feel like a lot of people just think they're gonna go into law so that's why i was a poli sci major but through doing that i got really into like nonprofit stuff and helping people and all this all this bullshit and not to call it bullshit but <laughs> classic millennial right so like i'm gonna change the world type things and i started like traveling um like i did study abroad and like I, you did, go? I, I did london like it wasn't like anything you know groundbreaking um but i wanted to travel more and i wanted to do more work abroad so i kind of got into like um Nonprofit stuff, international relations, it dovetailed nicely with my degree. So I just did that as my internship. Did you help somebody in a certain way that you were like, this is really what I want to do? Was it like a flick of the moment kind of thing? Uh, you know, so I, I will, uh, let me elaborate. So I was president of <laughs> the Hostling Travel Club. It's just some random club that I created. What's it called? Hostling? Hostling oh, okay. Travel. Like, you know, Stay like hostels. hostels. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, classic. So there's this like chain of hostels called Hostling International. I think the brand is still around. Um, but they like basically, um, I was working with a bunch of like University of Buffalo has tons of international students it was basically me and these Korean students and we all went to Canada um, but it was <laughs> it wasn't like anything because Buffalo was right next to Canada so it wasn't right, right, like right. we were doing anything special but it was just an interesting time period where I was bonding with these girls and we were talking about cultural exchange and how like if we all just got along there would be no problems in the world it was very idealistic right. so basically this idea of exchanging cultures and helping each other like it's something I formulated in college and kind of took to the early part of my career but now I tell dick jokes so I don't know how it's <laughs> Correlated. <laughs> why, why did you transfer? Um, doing comedy. You know what? So I don't. Comedy was. No, 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 I'm sorry. I meant from um, West Virginia to Buffalo. Why? Oh, you, you because West Virginia. So it's funny. So I'll I'll say this. The I, Mountaineers. Yeah, the Mountaineers. So I didn't know that. 
I thought so. I went to New York City Public School. I didn't know West Virginia was a different state from actual Virginia. No, way. I had no That's idea. So like, funny. I didn't know that shit. When, when, did you, when did you find that out? That when you got in? Or? So no, but basically it was funny because I was like, oh, West Virginia, and then it was funny. I was telling my uncle, he's like, yeah, we got some cousins in Virginia, and then my mom's like, West Virginia <laughs> is not Virginia. All you idiots, kind of thing. So I think my That's mom. So funny. Put the hammer down on all of us for it's being. Like, it's a state. She brought out the globe. <laughs> she spun it's it. A it's state. a state. You're going to West Virginia. I didn't know anything about West but, Virginia. But that's a that's a pretty good school though. For and why would you not know that? I, I don't I don't know. You know I'm from I mean? Queens. Just I didn't even Queens. know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know people were farming. I know people listen to country music. I'm like, this is all you guys are like. What is that? People wearing Wrangler jeans. I didn't know. I knew <laughs> nothing. But it was a great experience to learn, like you know, this agriculture rural area kind of thing. But I'm a city girl. I'm not for a rural life. How um, long were you there for? A year and a half. And then I transferred. So I couldn't you, get any good internships. Okay, but you really didn't like it? Or it was like, I got to get out of this uh, rural environment? fun. I had fun. It was a good time. But like for a city girl like me, it was like, you know, a year and we done. Like we got to move on. So let me transfer to Buffalo, which has more robust, um, I would say, uh, internship opportunities. And is a city in a sense. So did you intern in Buffalo when you were there? Um. So yes. Yeah. So was I? I was president of that hustling travel club, and then I also worked at the Baldy Center for Law and Social Policy. So that's another reason why I got into. Wait, what's it called? It's called the Baldy Center for Law and Social Policy. I thought you said balding, but yeah, Baldy kind of the same Bald, picture. I have in my head. <laughs> totally. So again, like so, um. You know, policy work, like nonprofit stuff, how we make the world a better place. So that was my internship while I was there as well. Was West Virginia as welcoming as you'd hoped it would be? Um, you know, West Virginia was weird. So there is a, it's funny because I'm like working on a joke about this because I just came back from Denver, similar experience. Lay it on us. <laughs> so they're basically like, we have no diversity. And so like I was invited to people's houses because they never talked to black people before. In West Virginia? Oh, they've never talked to anybody. Like, yeah. So they like, I was like, so many houses, I was like their dinner guests. And like they were asking me stupid questions. I'm like, and you know what's so funny? I actually ended up feeling bad because I grew up in Queens, which is the most diverse place on the planet. So imagine going somewhere where they've never talked to anyone different from them. It just seems sad. Well, why did you feel bad though? I felt bad because they don't understand, like they're missing key pieces of life and learning and opportunities to like connect with people who are different from them and to realize they're all fucking the same. There's no need to ask these weird questions. What was the kind of question? That they were so they were like, there was like, so what's it like being in New York City? How do black people feel about this? And here I am the spokesperson for Black America, which I shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> well, for them, you you should be. I mean, probably not. <laughs> like, well, I, you know, well, now looking back on it, you're a comedian who's well versed in doing comedy all over the country. So you were probably perfect candidate. Yeah, maybe actually. I was a perfect candidate, but no, it was maybe it, not at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at 18 year old, like I don't fucking know. Ask my Shit, dad. Yeah. Um, but no, it was just, <laughs> it was fun. Like people were welcoming to me. I didn't feel like people were like not welcoming to me. They were just a little closed off and sheltered and didn't know a lot about things. And that's that's probably where I came up with the idea that cultural exchange is so important. Like me and the Korean students and all that. It, like it all kind of falls in place like together. How cultural exchange is important. Helping communities is important. And all that other bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm surprised you transferred to Buffalo. You know, obviously you'd had intern op opportunities there, but didn't you feel like that would be kind of a rural environment as well? So that's so funny that you say that as a New Yorker. Buffalo's a city. <laughs> 
It's like the second, well, apparently it's the second largest city in New York, but it doesn't even rival right, us. Right, right, right. Um, but Buffalo, because, I don't know, it's like, I'm from Queens, so like, basically, there's like top four public schools, Albany, Buffalo, Syracuse, Binghamton. Uh, so. Oh, you went to SUNY Buffalo. SUNY Buffalo, yeah. Okay, because there's the University of Buffalo, maybe? No, University of Buffalo is, is SUNY, SUNY. And then there's okay. Buff State, which is Buffalo State College. Seen I that. went to university at SUNY, whatever it's called. But yeah, I went to University of Buffalo. I mean, you didn't mind the weather up there? Was there any like oh, torrential no, it was, avalanche? It, it was horrible. Uh, it snowed every day for <laughs> like, I don't know, all of spring and winter, but We're, that's how it was. We're used to that in New York. Okay, so let's, uh, I guess, let, let's see how you transferred to, from the volunteer world mm -hmm. and now being in New York for comedy. What was the, what was the transition there and then getting into Purple Park? Ah, uh, yeah. So, like, how did the, all that happen? So, um... My day job, I still work in the nonprofit sector. I'm a fundraiser. I raise millions of dollars a year. That's why Let's I go. Billions. <laughs> millions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been raising money. Um, I'm just pretty good at it. And so I, do, I work a lot with like rich people, I guess, corporations, stuff like that. I write a lot. Um, because I sell feelings, right? Um, because like when you're fundraising, you're not selling anything except for like feelings, like feeling good. So you have to be a compelling writer for that. So um Comedy, I thought, would help me with that. So I took a comedy writing class, right? And I didn't think about performing, but they make you perform. I didn't know that. At the comedy writing class, you mean? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. They make you perform. Sorry, I'm drinking my water. Oh, uh, <laughs> they make you perform. So at the end, when I performed, the teacher was kind of like, you're kind of a natural and he was like, I, he was like, you should probably keep on doing this. He gave me like another spot at, was at Broadway Comedy Club. And then after I did that, I was like, you know what? This is fun. I'm going to keep on doing this. So that's wow. Were you always funny? I was always funny. Yeah. So but, that's another thing. I was always funny. Yeah. But being a musical choir member is different from being a theater club. Definitely. Member, definitely. Right. Do you ever get into theater? I did. I was a bad kid, like bad in the sense, like not bad with schooling, but like bad, like I didn't listen. So I never really got that much into theater because I didn't want to do that much after school. So kept with the singing. Did you have bad influences in high school? Um, Kids that you look back on now and you're like, wow, I know why they're in that point of life. I was the bad influence. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. when did that change? Uh, when I went to college, like uh, it, it basically I kind of beat to my own drum. But when I got to college, it's kind of like everything my parents said kind of clicked. And I was like, I'm here to go to school. I'm not here to like, and I was like, also these kids in West Virginia is like their first part, amount of freedom. Like I had been free, grew up in New York City. Yeah, that's also a different uh, feeling, I'd so, say for us New Yorkers. Yeah. Like, it's once like, we go to college, we're like not going to start binge drinking and doing 45 second keg stands. Although I did do that once. You remember that, <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, it was an epic <laughs> keg stand. But uh, yeah, I think like having to take the subway alone when we were 12 years old at 10 o'clock at night really prepared us for independence in college. Yeah, so I don't know. As soon as I got my freedom, everything just kind of kicked in and like I was on the honor roll. So it just kind of happened that way. Honor roll. It's so weird, yeah. Nice. So going from poli sci into comedy though, like was there, was there like a moment that switched? Well, I guess you said the class was like a moment that switched, but was there another moment for you? Um, Honestly, it was the class. It had a lot to do with like, I felt like I had a lot to say around, I feel like Donald Trump was the president and there were just a lot of jokes around that. So I think I wrote my first joke about him. And yeah, I don't know. I just found it therapeutic and I just liked doing it. So I just kept on doing it. Yeah. And then I feel like being a poli sci major uh, is helpful because we learn how to like uh, 
deduce information and data. And that's something that was very interesting when Donald Trump was president. A lot of people like were like saying, well, how do you know what's the truth? And it's like, I actually learned how to read stats and how you can like manipulate statistics to prove your point. And like, there's a lot of things that aren't true. And like, what if you, I think comedy is all about the truth. So being able to get to the bottom of the truth in your jokes, I feel like is an important thing. You think he's going to make a run for president again and become oh, of president? He is. Of think, course he you is. Think he's gonna make, you think he's going to become president again? Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I just think it's like we forgot. We all forgot how <laughs> awful and like how big of a turkey this guy was. And oh like, now, was he like can, the worst. now he can legit win. I feel like people are talking about it. It you just came know. out. It just came out on the news. I think it was probably earlier today or yesterday. You know, the guy, the QAnon guy with the. Hat. Oh, yeah. God. Apparently he was uh, getting guided through the Capitol building with officers and officers weren't even doing anything. This just came out. Tucker, Car- Tucker Carlson was like, look, this guy is not doing anything wrong. Donald Trump 2024 it's or like, Ron DeSantis. Oh, Ron is Ron is smart. Trump. So I actually don't I like mean, him. I'm right, right. Right. OK. <laughs> um, he's, he's I mean, he can stay governor of Florida, but do not be his like whole platform doesn't is stupid um so i'm like a warm woke culture that's not like a real thing how do you feel about a joe biden uh jill joe 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 oh i mean joe is this like he's a means to the end right like so he's not our ideal candidate but it's like i'm happy i don't have to worry about the president doing anything crazy when i wake up like he's been doing this his whole life so like at least he's gonna make sure we don't fall into complete decay like you know as a nation who do you think someone who do you think like would be a good example for somebody to run for president? Maybe if they wouldn't run for president, like a Mr. Beast, YouTube, YouTuber, or someone who has a good, char- good enough character to run for president. No. Well, being a poli sci major. Yes. Yes. That's why, that's why I'm <laughs> I feel like our, de- our, our democracy is basically crumbling. Uh, I do not think we should have any personalities running the country. Honestly, <laughs> I'd rather someone who's actually in government to run the country. So, an example of somebody. I don't know, like, like, give it to like big a pressure, like a Pete Buttigieg. Or I fucking, I actually like what's her name. Everyone hates her; she's annoying. But Elizabeth Warren is actually a smart person, and like, what? Basically, anyone who's not an idiot who has no government experience should not be running for we, president. I, I agree that we definitely need someone who has government experience. To yeah. Run. So, like, I, I like Pete. I like Elizabeth. I like Bernie. Uh, you know, don't know what happened with him. I'm trying to think if there's anyone who's like kind of like on the come up, like in terms of the political. Yeah, it really doesn't feel like that in terms of Democrats. It doesn't really feel like yeah. there's someone who you can plug to be candidate in and five the Republicans to ten years. Are like, like I don't know, even know what happened to them. I mean, at this point, I'll take a Mitt Romney. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, Republicans on the other front just feel so old to me. Yeah, they, they do, you but also I mean? they've gone, they're trying to dismantle democracy, so it's kind of like, we need more parties in this country. That's what it comes down to, essentially. And I think that'll come, hopefully, with time and more things becoming legal. Do you have any thoughts about AI or legal marijuana in the whole country? The AI thing, I kind of feel like we're fucked. Um, but hopefully I'll be <laughs> dead before then. Would so. you put a chip in your brain? Hell no. <laughs> to be honest, I would, I would think about it. Like, maybe down no. the road. If everyone's doing it, if you do it, I would do no. it. No. Don't, don't, do don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I just think, yeah, it's a scary thought because, like, the government can just turn it off or control what I'm seeing potentially. Basically... It's the same thing with like electric cars, you know, they could just turn it off. No, that's true. I, the AI thing, like, let's hope we're dead. Um, but we need to legalize, yeah, a medical, marijuana. That's another thing I hate about Biden, the whole like, I'm too old to think about marijuana. 
fucking just legalize the shit. Like, what are we doing? It's so weird in New York because apparently there's like two places that have actual licenses, yet every single every store and every, like, every corner. corner store is selling weed. It's a little bit scary because I walk into some of these delis and it's hard to refuse the deals that they have. You yeah, know, that's like, true. If you go to a place with a legit uh, dispensary and it's yeah. uh, like legal, you're going to be spending 30% extra on tax, which I ultimately don't mind if you're going to have the good stuff in there, but yeah. it's hard to find the good stuff because you don't know what's what. You know, you go into a store and you pick out the red wine and the white wine that you like, and now it's a little bit harder to find the weed that you like. You're kind of like, yeah. all right, is this good? Is this good? Yeah. Whatever. It's it's kind of like the wild, wild west of exactly, weed here. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I, hold, I just came back from Denver you know, so cheap. Their weed. The weed is so cheap compared oh, yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, I brought back a bunch of shit. Sorry. I don't know if that's illegal, <laughs> but whatever. Their weed is cheap. They have like a, a mature industry and I can't wait till we're that at that point, essentially. Were there like plants in the dispensary that you went to? Yes. Yeah, so they had like, actually this one dispensary, they have like their own, like, I don't know, weird greenhouse thing. And like, yeah, they have all these like, yeah, it was beautiful. It was so nice. That's, yeah. that's the future I look forward to where you can go and see the plant actually being grown and maybe even walk in there with your gloves on and a mask (laughs) pick the the little nugget off the tree that looks forward to how are you picking up weed when you were in high school though how did that look for you oh that was different like i don't know people well that's what i used to get in trouble a lot for because i was a major pothead like my yearbook is all about me smoking pot uh Uh, it's like oh take a toke for me i can't even show anyway even to this day i'm like i need to like Put this on social media, how much weed I smoke. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, just, you know, rent, you know, you know, the drug dealers like this one has weed. That one has weed. I grew up in Queens, so you had to stay away. Like, basically, you had to stay away from certain people, I would say, because when I went to high school, it was definitely like time of stopping like Bloomberg, stopping frisk, stuff like that. Um, so you couldn't ask everybody from weed or like certain people because like cops were everywhere and they were stopping the shit out of us. So, you know, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just like, you know, smoke how you can. Did you ever get in trouble? Um, I got at the law. Not for smoking weed. I got in trouble for like something stupid. Uh, I think for I think the cops always like they were on this weird thing where they used to like try to. We had cops in our school talking about truancy and stuff like that. And I remember this because it was actually very. My mom was pissed off. The cops had came to my house because they had a warrant for my arrest. Because they saw me late one day and my to mom, school? And yeah, and my mom went, my mom lit all hell on their asses because she was just like, I know you're not fucking knocking on my door because you think my daughter was late or some dumb shit. But that's how dumb they were like the NYPD. But yeah, we had went to court and then like the- they got a warrant to your house because you were late to school and they assumed you were smoking weed. Or some, that's why I, well, the weed wasn't even involved. I think it's just some dumb shit about the like you guys are so like you guys have nothing going on. So anyway, my mom's pissed. And I think the cop who wrote the summons wasn't even at the court. So basically they just threw out the whole case, but it was just kind of like this stupid thing where it's like, why do you have cops in New York City public schools? There was such a war on (laughs) weed for so long. I really do remember that. The fact that when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, I remember I used to look at the high schoolers and be like, oh, that kid is bad news. I heard he tried weed once (laughs) at a party. You know, it's so different now. No, it was a weird, there was a weird war on weed. So I think like whoever wrote that, like, I don't know, something stupid. I used to have, I used to have, basically I don't like authority. So I used to have fights with like security and stuff like that so he probably just hated me just because security at the school yeah yeah security at the school i don't like like 
teachers. Uh, Authority figures. Yeah, there's no like people who, like anyway. Like fuck you. No way. <laughs> That's also probably why you like comedy so much. You go up there and basically, for the most part, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, basically. Yeah. If it's funny if it's funny. Yeah, let everyone else be the judge. No, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like. I seriously feel every comedian's a different variation of the same person. Like I just feel like some people are really crazy though. But um, I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. But to talk about what we were talking about initially, you know, the comics will come on your podcast and talk about mental health issues, and you said they all kind of have the same five uh things that make them tick or they have one of the five things they have one of those like they maybe they're add or learning disability or like drug disorder anxiety like there's always something like you can just have a clear origin story because that's also that's boring comedy nobody cares about that any (laughs) comics talk about going to therapy and how it's helped them every so that's the thing about the show in order to get on the show you have to have come through an issue so like everyone has done well some people haven't but like every most people have done some form of therapy that they can talk to for the guests to be like how did you get over your drug addiction how did you get over your anxiety depression how did you heal your anger like how did these things happen so i had jaw surgery and the surgeon broke my jaw in three places so i had tmj i'm not sure if you're familiar with no yeah i am so basically one side of my mouth grew further than the other and this was a period of time in my life where i was like doing too many drugs i was doing ketamine too much with people people don't really (laughs) get addicted to but like some people like doing it obviously and i was just having a weird time in my life where i was with a girl who i wasn't too infatuated with okay i was doing too much ketamine and i went to the orthodontist and he was saying the right side of your mouth is growing way more than the left so oh, wow. my mouth kind of looked like this so the jaw surgery was i couldn't eat real foods i couldn't chew for six months so yeah. a lot of my time was just spent thinking and i would hallucinate because i hadn't eaten for real oh my god like, that's crazy. it would take like a long time for me to actually like need to eat something it would just like i would take hours between not eating so it was like um i'd say like the not eating and also me having to rethink my life it made me a vegan it made me start doing comedy oh, full time. i brought yeah, yeah. oh okay so it was just like uh <laughs> it was a whole like life change life altering situation and i think that me finding finding out that I really wanted to do comedy full time was the new drug. You know, like uh, that, my, yes. It kind of it replaced the, the bad replaced drug. Replaced the ketamine. So that's what I realized. Like a lot of people like replace comedy becomes like, that's the thing. We have addictive personalities and that comedy becomes that thing. So I feel like a lot of comedians, yes, they have this similar, well, not the jaw and the, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, but a, same. But a pretty dramatic transition. Like I've heard of a lot of comics getting over their drinking and starting comedy or yeah. doing too many pills and starting comedy. And it, the laughs are a drug itself. As you no, definitely the, know. The laughs. Well, you know, I got on stage that one time after that oh, class. You pointed and, to your veins. Yeah. I was like, comic. I need this laughs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. It's, the drug it's it's the drug the laugh the energy like that's what we're all chasing after every night so yeah do you ever take add medicine like concerta i took one i took um i took like i took it for a week and i was like no because a week in college i took it and i decided not ever to take it again because uh it changed how i operate oh my god me too really you too nine ages nine to 15 i was a zombie when i took it i hated it it. and then i got to college and kids were like taking it to study i would like sell it to kids and then i'd be like well maybe it's not that bad then i take it and i'd be like this is terrible i'm doing it and i think weed and comedy kind of weaned me off of those add pills 
because was it hard on stage, to, I'm was like, it oh, hard to get off like the no, ADD pills? Not okay, for that because okay. I hated it so much it made me a zombie. Yeah, I don't. Saying. I don't like the fact I like doing a hundred things at once. I don't like the whole fo. I don't like that focus. Like I'm like I need to focus on five things. So right because it wouldn't allow me to do other things like i wasn't able to be social when i was on it and i wasn't hungry so it would like take away parts of my personality yeah just yeah yeah the medic i don't know why people take well maybe you know what it is i think we actually have add so it it makes us very like zombified but the people who don't have it i think it helps them i don't know right do you ever have weed to zone you in does that help you um weed helps me when i'm overthinking so, like, if I'm overthinking something and I haven't smoked in a while, because, like, sometimes you just smoke too much and it doesn't help. Mm. But, like, if you, like, seldomly smoke and, like, you're overthinking something, like, oh, you just smoke. It's like, oh, that's clear now. Do you ever smoke before you go on stage? Never. Me too. Do not smoke before I, I, I usually cut out before the podcast and going on stage, like, three and a half, four hours. Yeah. Something that's, like that. Just yeah. so I'm clear. Yeah, I can't do the whole, it doesn't, that doesn't work. How about eating before going on stage? I find it kind of is the same situation that... Um, oh, I never even thought about that. Fo- the energy focuses on breaking down the food rather than focusing on the good-ass jokes. That's so funny. I've never thought about food and going on stage. I don't... I've never, but I've never eaten right before going on stage. What do you think is the closest time you've eaten to going on stage? Probably like an hour or something like that. Yeah, that that seems like a good enough time. Uh, Yeah, I never really thought about that. I actually will pay attention now. Yeah. I never really think about it. Because sometimes I'll see comics, no joke, like eat an entire meal and then go up on stage. I feel like that would make me like, I don't know. I feel like I'll be like full or something. Yeah, definitely. Well, the energy (laughs) is focused on digesting the food. Not the, yeah. And it also happens with the food that you eat before you go on stage. You know, if you eat like a green, healthy meal, it's definitely better than eating McDonald's or KFC or Popeye's, oh, some shit like that. That's so funny. I never. Yeah, people never really think about that. Think about the ever, eating. But ever. if I really think about I never eat right before I go on stage. Like it doesn't happen. And also my stomach hurts a little bit. I don't know about you, but my stomach actually, right before I go on stage, my stomach kind of like does this. I think like some like little nerves. Maybe. A little nerves. It's always yeah. like does this twirly thing. So actually I do not like to be full on stage like when i was a tennis player too i never focused on diet and i think diet only recently has been in the conversation of people for health and doing everything well within like the last 10 years yeah no one really thought about that fasting the not eating as many high fat fast foods and stuff like that yes yes no yeah no one ever that's so weird the food i do take i will take a i will have one drink maybe but not many like on stage with you or one before? No, 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 no. no. Like if I, you know, some we're always at bars and stuff like always. that. So yeah. like people, are like, you want a drink ticket? Like yes, they have a sweet. <laughs> You're like you want a drink? I'm like I guess. You're like am I joke. getting paid otherwise, or I guess I have to drink? Oh, wait, this? this is my this is my payment. So <laughs> yeah. I might as well. How did you start your show, Purple Park? Let's oh, talk about yeah. that because I reached out to you on. DM'd a while ago, yes. but we had met maybe previously at the stand or somewhere yes, before I we think, met or before we saw each other. I, I think so. And we have to have you on the show. Our show is monthly. Would love to. Uh, it is. Uh, it's a monthly show. It started in the pandemic in the park. Okay. In the story park. That's uh, why the name Purple Park. Yes. But why purple? So purple park. So it's really interesting. So story park is this huge park in Queens, Astoria. And there's a segment of the park that we used to call purple park. So if you're from Astoria, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're not from Astoria, you have no idea what I'm talking about because it's actually called Ralph DeMarco Park. But 
if you're from the area, it's Purple Park, and it always has been. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, I started the um, Purple Park comedy with another comic, Cuban comic Daniel Addis, and he grew up uh, up the block from me on Crescent Street. Uh, he's a dad of three. And Laz Rivera in the pandemic, um, they must have done like two, three shows with me, and then they were like, can we not do this all the time? And I was like, well, don't worry, I'll take it over. Uh, <laughs> so we did that. We moved to QED Astoria. Uh, we did shows at the stand as well. That's probably where the connection is. Um, and like we still do shows at the stand, but also we have a barbershop that we're working with in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So doing most of our shows there, a uh, shout out to Otis and Finn. It's a inclusive barbershop, like queer barbershop, but everyone's welcome. They cut men's hair. So if you need a haircut, go there. But we have, yeah, we have our, our show there now. Before we started, you were talking about how you're a bit of a germaphobe. Yes. Am I correct? <laughs> yes. So what did the pandemic look like for you? I know you were wiping oh, down groceries. My God. It's so funny <laughs> because like I was a germaphobe before the pandemic. So I used to always have my Purell and all that shit. Really? Wa- I've always washed my Purell hands. Purell is, I guess, somewhat normal, but you did other weird germaphobe stuff. I just wash my hands Purell all the time. Like people do now. I did that before. Um, so I was always before I, oh, it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool. I always think about dirt, and I used to like actually comedy has helped me a little bit because think about it, I'm forced into dirty situations all the time. I have to share touching mics. the mic, I'm touching the lips on the mic, all these things. So I had to kind of like push it in the back of my head. But I used to like so like I'm so happy you have paper cups. So I used to like not like if I was at a dirty bar, if I, I'm at Broadway Comedy Club, like I'm not drinking out of their glasses. Like give me a plastic cup, yeah. give me a beer bottle, and like don't t- don't put it in the glass, like just weird shit like even like when i'm talking to guys like if we're about to make like i think about so many things i have to push so many things to the back of my head to actually like talk and be normal with talking people. to a guy what what, you, what were you about to say so like talking to guys right i'm actually trying to write a joke about how i'm approved because i'm a german folk <laughs> um but like i'll be like if a guy comes in for a kiss i just start thinking about where's his mouth been is he dirty is he clean like oh, wow. and i can't even be in the moment because i'm so like basically like, like another voice in your head there's a voice in my head voice. talking about germs 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 so i just have to be very very comfortable with someone to like share saliva with them Anyway, it's a whole thing. But comedy has helped me because I'm with people all the time and we're in dirty spaces. And I think the pandemic for me, even though I was a major germaphobe, I mostly stayed in my house. Coming outside, doing comedy in parks and stuff like that actually made me less of a germaphobe, which is weird. Yeah. When did you become less of a germaphobe, though? Probably a year after the pandemic, because I don't know if you remember, but a lot of us comedians started going back inside. Like we saw, even though we weren't supposed to, like we were having like makeshift shows at random places. And like everyone's like still being crazy at that point. But comedians are just kind of like, whatever, we'll do what we got to do. And I think the audience members, too. Yeah, people were people wanted to be outside. So I kind of had to push. I kind of had to get rid of all the anxiety. So I realized it's a manifestation of my anxiety therapy. Uh, <laughs> so I have to I have to get rid of that. So I've been working on it. Comedy has actually helped me with my weird like germ thing. Oh, you mentioned therapy. Are you in therapy right now? I'm not in therapy right now, but I have been in therapy for the majority of my life. <laughs> That's why I do the emotional wellness stuff. In person or on the phone? Oh, no. Therapist? Always in person. I Fuck the phone. Like, no, we need to talk. Like, we need to, like... You need a face-to-face. Face-to-face with my therapy, yes. But you, ne- yeah. you would never feel uncomfortable sharing so much with a, with a stranger? I'm just talking about just being devil's advocate for people mm-hmm. who are against therapy. I'm not, ag- <laughs> I'm not against it, but I, I personally, at the moment... Don't really like it. Don't lean towards it. I can understand. Like, the, my thing is not every therapist is created equal. I've had good therapists. I have a bad therapist. But my thing is, um, if I'm 
if I have an issue, like if something's like, this is a manifestation of your anxiety, it took me a lot of work to get there. So I like, it, it's helped me in terms of figuring out my patterns and like how I'm going into destructive behavior that I don't want to go into. You know what I mean? So like, I wouldn't have been able to understand how like my anxiety is manifesting without years of therapy. So <laughs> do you think it helps your podcast too? Oh, most definitely because people will be saying something and I'm able to dig deeper because like, I feel like it's like, Oh, that's not from therapy. I understand like, this is what they actually mean by that. Not to, not that I'm a therapist, but I just, I understand humans and how they work through issues essentially. Growing up in New York City and understanding how humans work through issues, <laughs> did you find like a sense of normalcy, seeing crazy people on the train and being able to communicate with people better? You know what I mean? Like you yeah. see all different types of people in New York and then you went to West Virginia. You were the <laughs> you were teaching people about black people and stuff like that. No, most of like growing up in New York City, you just kind of have a you have a different like it's weird like sometimes you know how people come like people always ask us what it's like right yeah people always want to know what it's like and it's just it's just like you just know how to react to certain situations i think sometimes people don't understand certain types of people like a crazy person but like as a new yorker i understand even if someone's yelling or acting crazy yeah. if they're not bothering me let them do what they do totally. yeah or like someone comes up to me and like they have a little attitude problem or they're a little short with me i also understand like it probably has nothing to do with me they're just doing what they need to do so it's it's like more like this whole thing about being rude and like all this other stuff that people focus on in other states. It's like, this doesn't matter. Like, it's just let this person do their thing. Yeah. What's been your best moment in comedy so far? Um, oh, so I, ha so, um, uh, you know, Caroline's on Broadway closed down, unfortunately, yes. but I was the last comic to close it. So no way. on New Year's Eve, I was the last comic ever before we went upstairs to watch oh, wow. the ball drop. So that's like my, like, that's like the biggest thing I've accomplished so, in my comedy career. You're traveling a little bit too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk about that. So yeah. So last week I was in Denver, um, you know, just hanging out, um, well not hanging out, doing comedy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing some shows super fun i met um met mary mack who's from uh, a comic from um uh the midwest super duper funny um been on a bunch of shows with a bunch of other people but you know it's interesting so i did a lot of festivals so like uh my when i started doing comedy like i od'd on the festivals but why I think that was so helpful for me, because I probably did like eight or nine festivals. It's like ridiculous amount. But I when met, was that like your first year? Uh, my first two years of comedy, I did like a bunch of festivals. But and, and by festivals, how do you mean? So like a comedy festival. So like basically, we have these things called comedy festivals. So like you have to pay money and submit, and then hopefully you get picked or not picked. Um, so I did a bunch of those cause like, what else were we doing? But I met a bunch of comics in different markets. So I met a bunch of LA comics, a bunch of Midwest Smart, comics. Yeah, like a good way to do it. I went back to Denver because like I did up those comics. Cause I hit up those comics. So basically I went to a port, like basically I know comics in a lot of markets from all these festivals. That's a huge part of networking these days. You don't really think about it so much, but if somebody wants to do your show, who's from Austin, chances are next time you go back to Austin, you can hit them up. Exactly. So for me, it was like getting that, doing the, those festivals helped me with that like national reach. I mean, they're still playing. You know, what's so funny about that. I, I have the West coast, like literally covered. Like I could do a Locked. West coast tour and get spots. Let's go. But the East coast, like I haven't done comedy in Boston yet. I haven't done comedy in DC yet Okay, because I just never went there. So it's just so silly. But yeah, I got, Half of the West Coast cover. 
<laughs> in good time. Do you watch a lot of YouTube more so than other platforms or live TV? So, all right. So, all right. So I, I said I was a choir geek, but I'm actually an actual geek. So I'm really into fantasy and like, so all that, like Game of Thrones, all this fantasy stuff, I'm really into it. So I will actually watch a lot of YouTube to deep dive on like comic books, the Jesus being fantasy black. shows. I saw your Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, I watch YouTube to go deep dive on pop culture that I love. Like, I just like to be with the geeks and, like, let's talk about the new Spider-Man for two hours. Like, you okay. know what I mean? So that's like Reddit forums, maybe? No, 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 not Reddit. I'm talking about okay. YouTube. Like, YouTube, there's, like, a uh, shout-out to New rock stars. shout-out to uh, um, Emergency Awesome. Shout-out, who are my guys? Those are uh, accounts, YouTube these accounts. Are, yeah, yeah, these are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are, like, my YouTube accounts. I love it. These are these, these stupid guys I follow who are, like, just talk about... All things comic book, all things fantasy, basically all the time. And YouTube is really the only place to do that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. other platforms right now are trying to figure out how to pump out content that a lot of people want to watch. But if you go to YouTube and you just type in what you want to watch, eventually you watch a few videos. The algorithm will be built around that. And then yeah. you're just watching those type of videos. So I, I do think YouTube's the future. We're going to see Mikamo's special on YouTube. Oh, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, but I, I did uh, launch my podcast a few weeks ago on YouTube. Let's go. And I have, I have to, if anyone's listening, I, I will pay someone to do that for me. Um, <laughs> How do you mean? Putting it on the... But, but, so I, I have the episodes up, but I need to like promote it. They have this new shorts thing. I'm just trying to get more traffic. And like basically outside of posting, I'm not really doing anything. So okay. I have to kind of figure out. <laughs> if, you have if you have questions too, we've been doing this podcast for over three years. Oh, let nice. me know. Let me know. I'd Most definitely. Yeah. For sure. I, I, you are. But yeah, I like YouTube because it lets me geek out and stuff. I really want to geek out on. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mika, this has been a great episode. So next uh, next week, we have you in the Ted Jones Comedy Yay, Show. Yeah, I'm super excited. That's going to be super fun at 145 Bowery. But Mika, before we get out of here, what do you have, uh, what do you have planned uh, tomorrow? Because today is Thursday. As we release this episode, we're going to turn it around pretty quick. So you have anything uh, tonight? Tonight being Thursday and then this weekend, what you got? Uh, yeah, so tonight I am at the stand. I nice. Think it's a oh, weird, I saw that. Uh, what's it I don't know. It's like a weird dating show. So please, the show sold out actually so i probably shouldn't talk about that um <laughs> it's uh on friday i'm at uh, st mark's comedy club at uh 12 a.m so if you're hanging out late downtown um you know come there and also check out we're done here pod it's on all your streaming platforms and check out our youtube channel we don't have many subscribers but we all it. you're getting there you <laughs> will and we're popping up your instagram right here so please tell us your instagram uh so my instagram is mika social so that's m-e-k-a social and i love your icon by the way i love the hair that you have in it oh, very you. chic and also came in with the with the jacket looking good mika thank you so much for coming on the podcast you, this is really a great time guys mika Mo, follow her and get to that Ted Jones comedy show. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.